0: Today, I want to talk about a track that's on an album that is on my Desert Island playlist. The artist is Pat Metheny, and the song is called Finding and Believing from the great Secret Story album. You're probably familiar with the Desert Island concept. The way it goes is basically you're stranded on a desert island. You can only have 10 albums. What do you wish that those 10 albums would be? And this album, ever since it came out in the, in the early 90s, has been on that list for me. Other albums have come and gone. Obviously, as new music comes out, you, you kind of switch around in your head what you would want to bring. But for some reason, this album has just always stuck with me. I think it has a lot to do with the timing of when it was introduced to me. It was really a formidable kind of time in high school and college when uh, you're really forming your permanent musical opinions, you're opening your mind to all kinds of new things as you meet new people and you're going out into the world. At that time, for me, my brain was was just exploding with new music. I was introduced to jazz in a huge way when I first got to high school, and I studied all kinds of everything from straight ahead, classic jazz, all the way up through modern, and uh, funk obviously was a big part of it, and just tons of stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and I liked it all. I included all the fusion and all of the new world musicians. I thought it was all great. And at that same time, I was also being exposed to a lot of new classical music. I had two brothers who were studying music in college, so they exposed me to all sorts of new classical music as well, in addition to the rock music that I'd grown up with. This is really when I started getting into the foundations of prog rock for myself as well. This is when I became a Yes fan and all those other great bands. And so my mind was expanding at a billion miles an hour, and Pat Metheny was a huge part of that When, when I was first introduced to his music. It just absolutely struck every possible chord and I I immediately fell in love with it. album Secret Story was a kind of a departure for Pat Metheny. He started off doing a lot of straight ahead kind of jazz, playing with a lot of the greats. But once he went into kind of his own career path, he created a band called the Pat Metheny Group, and he made a lot of more modern sound. He kind of created his own tone, really, and his own sound with his band. And they toured for years and and made many great albums. And they actually made albums after this particular album. But Secret Story was different. It wasn't a Pat Metheny Group album. It was a Pat Metheny record. It was something that he wanted to do for himself. And it was mind-expanding, uh, it's kind of funny. We often think or we see in the rock and roll and pop world that, you know, whenever a band breaks up, it's like this huge thing. You know, when the Beatles broke up, it was like, oh, no, uh, you know, these people are no longer going to work together. And we think of this as like almost the end of a marriage or something. Whereas in jazz, it's always way more kind of loosey-goosey. People jump in and out of bands all the time. They go on and do solo projects. No one gets offended. They bring in new players. I and mean, it's just accepted and understood that any individual player is going to play with several different artists in several different groups throughout the course of their career. It's just the way it is with jazz. And so when Pat Metheny went off to do his solo record, he wasn't insulting his band members. He just wanted to do something different that he couldn't do within the boundaries of that band. And indeed, a lot of his classic players from his band actually end up appearing on Secret Story. But he also combined that with tons of other great studio musicians. He brought in the London Symphony Orchestra. It was just an all-out crazy album. It was sort of a dream project for him, and it's something extremely personal. And it paid off in spades. The first time I heard this album, I just couldn't believe what my ears were hearing. And it really opened up my mind to a whole new world of music that I didn't know existed. Song Finding and Believing is kind of structured a lot more like a prog rock classic than it is your typical jazz tune. It's, it's very interesting. It's it's much closer to kind of a close to the edge, yes, kind of a format than you would normally get in a jazz song where you have an A-B, A-B kind of structure. Again, no, no big surprise. I like a song with different sh- kinds of structure, but this is a really lengthy tune. It's a 10 minute song and it really can be broken down into three movements, if you will, three major parts. And each one of those sections would have a couple of different musical expressed ideas, but you have this opening section, which kind of has this really cool, funky thing in 7 going on, where it's this Brazilian, Latin American-inspired uh, rhythm going on, but it's in 7-8. And uh, it's got this incredibly cool bass line. The electric bass, in this case, is being played by Will Lee, the great studio musician who played with David Letterman for years. And Matheny is playing a sitar throughout this whole intro, so there's not really a lot of guitar going on here. But there's tons of percussion instruments, and it just has a really cool rhythm that it gets established. And it takes a long time for them to kind of build this thing theme. theme over time. so as you're building you're having the same part played over and over again but we're adding new instruments as we go and one of my favorite parts is when the sitar comes in and you start hearing the the kind of counterpoint melody that's going on with the bass line it's not quite in sync it's sort of a little bit after almost like a kind of fugue expression there which i really really absolutely love And the other thing I love about this section, of course, is the singing. For the longest time when I heard this, I assumed that these were women singing this part, but it actually turns out it's the great Mark Ledford. Mark Ledford is a singer who's worked with Pat Metheny in the past, and he just has this incredibly high-pitched voice. He can hit all kinds of notes. But vocally, what Pat Metheny's always done is he's never really had lyrics. He's never had people singing with any kind of words of any kind of meaning. He really treats vocalists much more like just another instrument. And so they're creating the sound of the human voice, but they're not not saying any words the words are sort of nonsense gibberish but it really comes together and creates this incredibly cool eclectic world moody kind of a feel this whole introduction and i just absolutely love the sound of this i can listen to this all day long and it goes on for quite a while this first section notice in this first movement how they are constantly repeating over and over again the bass part is introduced and as he adds more and more layers to it we're getting lots of new percussion we're getting lots of new vocals and it's just constantly changing it's an exploration if you will of this one musical idea and it shows how far you can take that simple single idea part of the first section is also kind of cool they kind of break the time signature a little bit and they stop the drone of the beat with some accents and it changes up every time they go back to it so it, it's another cool breakup of the pattern but again much like a classic yes song we're kind of building across this epic piece and, and there's a lot of repetition but again it's all in the service of this emotional build-up that goes on over time The second movement of the song is a complete departure. The song switches over into 6-8 and it's actually going to stay in 6-8 for the rest of the tune. But the drum beat kind of drops out completely. We just get the shaker doing that classic 6-8 Latin American feel. But then the orchestra comes in. And the orchestral arrangement of this is really cool. It kind of reminds me in a lot of ways of Debussy or a lot of modern 20th century composers, where there's tons of jazz chords going on arranged for strings and horns. And it's just such a cool, incredibly emotional part. And the way it's written, it's much closer to a tone poem than any sort of kind of melodic uh, structure. But it's just beautiful, and it's such a departure from the beginning, and it takes you to a completely different space. I love the way the low basses come in. There's a section there where there's lots of high strings going on doing their harmonies, and then there's this kind of really raucous stringed instrument, so the basses and cellos come in. It's just a really impactful kind of bit, and you'll notice there's a little bit of the vocal melody comes back in again, just the tie us, And as the rhythms part gets a little stronger, a little more percussion comes adding in, we, we start hearing a little more of the vocal and it kind of ties us back to that intro part again, even though this part is drastically different from the introduction. Thank you. And then finally, when we hit the third section, the third movement of the song, we kind of turn it into almost a traditional kind of 6-8 samba, Latin American rhythm jazz piece in a lot of ways. It becomes more like a traditional Pat Metheny song, much like something he might have done with his band. It starts off with a really cool piano part doing his kind of descending melody. And then the electric bass now, it gives away for an acoustic bass, this time played by Steve Rodby. And the drumming is really straight ahead. And it's basically just goes into this part. the return of the vocals in the third movement again ties you to the other two parts even though it's a completely different new melody uh, it's just that classic mark ledford sound and so you it really helps to tie the song together even though these are kind of disparate parts it gives you a sense that you're still within the same realms and the same beautiful music Uh, you, you suddenly realize that you've been listening to seven or eight minutes of this incredible music, but it didn't have his signature tone, that really mellow, tone knob turned all the way down, jazz tone, that super clean, uh, hollow body Ibanez that he plays. And when he comes in with that solo, you start to realize, oh, this is a metheny song after all. And he does this killer solo over it, and the vocals kind of return in, in a different way. And so it all kind of ties itself together, and uh, he plays some really tasty licks over the solo as, as the song is fading out towards the end. song just kind of fades off that way. It ends with this piece. And so we've had these three movements of the track, which are interrelated in that they have similar themes going on, but they are not any really anything alike each other. And yet they tie together and flow so effortlessly. It's much more like prog jazz than it would be uh, your traditional straight ahead jazz group. Sure, the ending part of the song turns into a little bit more of a traditional kind of a jazz tune, but you realize that what you're listening to here is much more nuanced than that. And what he's really constructed here is, an incredibly beautifully composed piece. And there's not a minute wasted throughout the whole song. Not a single moment or instrument is out of place. It's just a beautifully woven together piece. And it's amazing to watch live. If you ever get a chance to see Pat Metheny play live, he doesn't always do this tune, obviously, but there are actually YouTube videos out there of his band playing this tune on this particular tour when he had the orchestra with him and everything. And it's just absolutely stunning to watch. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, Piece of music, and this entire album is full of stuff just like this. I had picked one track off of this, but basically, you know, it's unlike anything else in my collection. It's unlike anything else that I listen to. It's even unlike all the other Pat Metheny records. Uh, There's something about Secret Story that really, uh, you know, has earned its place in my mind. It's something that I would not want to be without for any extended period of time. I don't listen to this album every week. I don't listen to it every year, even. But if you told me I could never listen to it again, I'd be pretty upset about it. And so, this album has always stayed on that top 10 list for me. It's just that important to me. It reminds me of a really seminal time in my life when I was really expanding my musical boundaries, and it's just great music. And so I just really enjoy listening to it. And I'm constantly finding new things to appreciate about this entire album when I go back and listen to it. So if you enjoy this song, if it's kind of making you long for more, I highly suggest you look at the rest of Secret Story. And if you get into that quite a bit, then go ahead and start listening to some of the Pat Metheny records as well. There are several other records that he made over the years that are quite good as well. Hey, thanks for tuning in to The Weekly Listen. Subscribe to the show via Apple's iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. iTunes ratings are always helpful too, so I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show with your friends. Apple Music and Spotify links to today's track can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash theweeklylisten and become a patron. Your support will go a long way to helping me keep the show going. Speaking of support, I want to give a shout out to my executive producers on this episode, Alec and Kevin. Thank you. You helped make this show possible. If you want to learn more about how you could become an executive producer on the show, go to patreon.com slash theweeklylisten. If you have any comments, suggestions, or you just want to chat with fellow listeners about the music, you can reach out on micro.blog at theweeklylisten. I encourage everyone to join the conversation. Thanks, and we'll be back next week with more music.